You're listening to the Ausleisure Podcast Network. For more details, go to www.ausleisure.com.au forward slash podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Ausleisure Traveller Podcast for Sunday the 13th of January. My name's Richard Maguire in Melbourne. And I'm Mike Sussex in the UK. Hi Mike, how are you mate? Oh, I am well, thanks mate. I am well. How are you going? Not too bad, thank you sir. Um, how's the holiday going over in the UK? Yeah, not too bad at all. Catching up with the folks, which is uh, really cool. I mean, you've got me here. It's, what, 9.30 on a Saturday night, and uh, I've just nipped away from being with the folks to come and talk to you, and uh, yeah, but having having a good time. Really good fun. That's good news. Yeah, well, how's um, things I, over I, there? <laughs> Pardon? How's things over there, mate? Very nice, mate. The, the hot weather's subsided a little bit. Uh, today's going to be a leisurely 24 degrees, which is nice, which is bearable. Uh, oh, yeah, Thursday and definitely. Friday, I th- th- sorry, yeah, the Thursday and Friday, I think we got up to about forty-one degrees, which, which I can't really handle that well, to be honest with you. No, take some, uh, take some stamina to be in forty-one degrees. That's for sure. It, it, it certainly does. I've been here fifteen years, and and I still can't get my uh, my body used to it. Uh, well, I, I just know that I think I, I managed to be away for those two hot days or four hot days or whatever it was, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. pleased about that. <laughs> Your planning was impeccable. So it seems. <laughs> now, coming up in today's show, we'll be having a chat about, uh, well, it's an introduction to the UK, I guess. Uh, that's right, yeah. Just uh, some general advice for Aussies that are coming over to the UK. Um, you know, some do's and don'ts, some things to look out for, some things to definitely see, some things to avoid, and, you know, general run-of-the-mill stuff. So, uh, yeah, very factual. Okay, Mike. Well, seeing as though you're in the UK, you might as well give us a bit of a, an, an idea of actually what uh, what what the UK stands for and, and and little things like that. Yeah, sure. No worries. Um, the first thing to note really is that the UK is made up of four countries. Uh, it's not one country. It is actually made up of of four countries. You've got England, Wales. Scotland and Northern Ireland. They are the four countries that make up the UK. Uh, one and the UK list, stands for what? Sorry, Mike? Uh, UK stands for United Kingdom, mate. Yeah, we right. also go by a bunch of other names. Great Britain. In the olden days, it actually used to just be called England, which referred to the whole of the UK. But uh, that's not true. So UK is United Kingdom. That's what most people rec- uh, refer to it as. Okay. One thing that people do seem to stumble across uh, quite regularly is this this concept of Ireland. And Ireland itself is not actually part of the UK. Um, Northern Ireland is, but the Republic of Ireland, the southern part of Ireland, is not part of the UK. And that's what the, the troubles were over for all of those years. So Northern Ireland in the UK, Southern Ireland not in the UK, but it is actually in Europe. You can travel freely between the two parts of the island, uh, but only one part's in the UK, so that clears up a common myth for a few people. Apart from those four main countries, the UK also has loads and loads of little islands, uh, and they stretch right the way down in the south to the Channel Islands, Jersey, Guernsey, uh, and so on. Uh, They're actually way down by France, and it goes all the way up, up past the top end of Scotland out to places called Shetland and the Outer Hebrides and all of these things. These all make up the UK as well. And also dotted around the coastline there are lots of little islands, uh, some that people may have heard of, the Isle of Wight down on the south coast or the Isle of Man which is actually between 
mainland UK, England, and the island of Ireland. Okay. Now, Mike, I believe the population of the UK is around about 60 million or so. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's uh, There's a fair amount of people here. And what Aussies will notice straight away is that there's all those amount of people, 60 million or so, which is about three times the population of the whole of Australia. But the yeah. UK itself is really only the size of the state of Victoria. So in Australian terms, really quite densely populated. There's lots of people around. There's always something going on. And uh, wherever you are in the country or in any of the four countries that make up the UK, you'll always be bumping into somebody because there's just lots of people here in quite a small space. Okay, and you can drive from one end of the country to the other, right? from from the south of England right to the north of Scotland in a whole day, I take it? Uh, yeah, you can. It's about uh, 700 miles, so about oh, 1,100 kilometres, something like that. Uh, people will probably be familiar with a route. It's actually called Land's End to John O'Groats. I've heard uh, that's of that. where. Yeah, absolutely. Land's End is right down on the southern tip of uh, the UK in a county called Cornwall. Uh, and John O'Groats is way up north at the top end of Scotland, and you can actually drive it all in one day. It's a long old drive, uh, but it can be done. And, and of course, Mike, um, every every country's got their own capital city, um, and I, you know, I, I know that London's a capital of England. Um, but what's what's the capital of Scotland? In, in, in... Uh, yeah, you, you're you're right there. Uh, Lon- London is the capital of England. It's also the capital of the UK. Uh, But each of the four countries and some of the islands as well do have their own capital. Um, So, for example, Edinburgh is the capital of Scotland. Lovely place. Uh, I would recommend highly to the audience, if they're in the UK, go to Scotland. And specifically, go to Edinburgh because it's a great place. Um, For uh, Wales, the capital is Cardiff. And for Northern Ireland, it's Belfast. Also, as I said, some of the islands have uh, capitals of their own. Uh, for example, the Isle of Man has a capital city called Douglas. Um, and that's the same through the Channel Islands as as well. I mean, Jersey and Guernsey both have uh, capital cities of their islands as well. So obviously they're a lot yeah. smaller than London. And of course, we can drill down a bit further with these places um, because we're going to be talking to the tourism boards down the track and I know that uh, at the end of this month we're going to be talking to the Welsh tourist board so we'll get a a lot more information there for our listeners Oh yeah that's right I mean the tourist boards know exactly what's going on all around the place so they'll be able to tell you uh, especially the one uh, for Wales as you say we've got coming up at the end of the month and we've got uh, Scotland that are due along shortly as well they'll be able to tell you about all of their capital cities we've also got people from Jersey and Guernsey later in the series as well so uh, you know lots of people there to tell you about their respective parts of the country I'm looking forward to actually having a chat with these guys yeah it's going to be great I mean they they just know so much you know valuable resource of information now, Mike, I know a lot of Aussies get over there and they kind of spend a few days in London and uh, doing all the touristy stuff. Now, do um, many of them get out and actually see the green countryside of the uh, UK? Uh, yeah, Aussies are particularly good at uh, exploring a country when they do go overseas. But as a general rule, most people, especially from Europe and America and all of these places, they only go to the big cities and they say that's what the UK is all about. You know, they go and see Buckingham Palace. They say, I've seen the palace and that's the UK done. And that's a huge mistake. Uh, you know, 
as with most countries, the UK especially, you've got to get out of the cities. Once you've seen them, done the touristy bits, you've got to get out there because there really is, there's two different parts to the country. You've got the lively cities where everything's 24-7, people are rushing around, it's always open, there's always noise. And then you get the complete opposite. As soon as you get even 60Ks out of London, for example, you're into basically fields out there which are separated by small towns, even smaller villages. I mean, some of the the villages out in the home counties, which are sort of the four or five or six counties that border London all the way around, some of the villages out there, you know, are less than one or two square kilometres in size. You know, they have a couple of pubs and maybe a farm and a, a few houses and a post office. And, and that's a village going to play, play cricket on. The village green to play cricket on. I mean, you come on uh, a Sunday in the summertime, which of course is uh, the Australian winter. But if you come over here in the northern hemisphere summer, every Sunday you go into you know any any village. There's a village green. There's a whole bunch of people in the whites with the cricket ball. It's a, a really great. Uh, thing to see and that's really what UK life is all about uh, when you're outside the cities it's all about village life everybody knows everybody else especially in the small places bigger towns not quite the same I mean there are lots of towns around the UK hundreds and hundreds of them in fact and they're kind of similar to oh where would we say maybe like Adelaide if you, you think of it, I mean, you've been to Adelaide yourself, Rich, you know. Mm, uh, what Adelaide is like, that would be like a, a town like Stevenage, for example, which is in Hertfordshire. Or, you know, a, a pretty big town would be like Adelaide is. But they go even smaller than that with the villages and they are tiny little places. And that's where you'll find the most interesting stuff in this country. And of course, the tiny little places uh, are sometimes overshadowed by the huge castle on the hill. Well, that's so true. I mean, because the UK has a history that goes back thousands and thousands of years. I mean, in Australia, I mean, barring how long the Aborigines have been in Australia, it's generally considered to have a developed history of just a couple of hundred years. The UK goes way back, you know, past the Romans and all of this stuff, it's been invaded by Christ knows who. <laughs> Everybody's been to the UK and invaded, and when they come, they build a castle. And everywhere you go, especially along the south coast, you'll find castles, and they overlook the entire uh, village. And the good thing is that, you know, when one person comes and invades, like the Romans will come and invade in, you know, whatever BC it was that they got here, and they, they built a castle... And then, you know, a couple of hundred years later, someone else would come and you'd have like a, a Tudor townhouse next to the castle and an Elizabethan thing just down the road. And, you know, within a few kilometers journey, you can see history of buildings and history of monuments that spans thousands of years. I mean, it's just amazing to see. I can tell you're a bit passionate about all this and you could ramble on where, yeah, for, for, for a long time, but, un, but unfortunately we're um, limited by time. So, Well, that's true. I mean, I could, uh, I could ramble on on this subject for a while, it has to be said, but I don't think the audience really want to listen to me doing that in particular. <laughs> I think we'll leave that to the tourism boards, actually. <laughs> yes, which I'm very much uh, looking forward to dis- uh, chatting to very shortly. 
Yeah, next week, mate. Next week. Next week it is. Now, Mike, I better talk to you about how uh, expensive it is over there. Um, I know you're there for a couple of weeks on holiday and you haven't been back for a while. So um, have you noticed a difference between uh, how much stuff costs here and how much stuff costs there? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, there is no two ways about it. The UK is an expensive place to be in every respect, Um, you know, from a meal out to, you know, buying a ticket on on the tube system in London or getting on a train, absolutely everything here to an Australian person coming over is expensive. Now, the exchange rate at the moment is helping a little bit but, uh, you know, stuff here is just way more than you would expect. I'll give you a couple of examples. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're eating out for, you know, just a pretty standard meal, eating out in a restaurant, you're going to expect to pay something in the region of around about 80 Australian dollars per head. Okay, right. so it's it's really quite expensive. If you're going to go into the one of the, the, the legendary pubs, of the UK expect to pay the equivalent of around about $7.50 for a pint of beer. So okay. uh, quite quite a and bit to, more. That is very expensive. Mm. And to actually get to the pub, and for instance, if you went on the tube uh, and yeah. you went one stop, uh, let's pick um, Oxford Circus to, what's the next what, one along? You know, Warren Circus. Street, something like this. All right. Let, let's yeah. go Oxford Circus, Warren Street, which you could walk in a few minutes. So if you did go from Oxford Street to Warren Street on the tube, what would uh, the likely cost of that be, Mike? Uh, more than you might imagine, actually, Rich. Uh, unless you know the tricks. If you go and you just walk up to the ticket booth and you want to buy a single adult ticket to go that one stop from Oxford Circus to Warren Street, it's going to cost you £4. Or, to put it in Australian dollars, 10 Australian dollars to go that one stop and as you rightly said it's about a five minute walk away it's actually cheaper to get a cab in that particular <laughs> example but there are tricks to it there, there are travel cards like there are in most places around the world and the one in London that works on the tubes and the buses and the trams there are a few trams in London they're actually uh, down south in London in a place called Croydon but there are a few uh, trams and all the other sort of me- mechanisms of public transportation you've got something called an oyster card okay as in right. the uh, the clam object at the bottom of the sea an oyster card um, and that is like it's a prepaid card and you come and you put however much money you want to put on it and every time you make a journey it deducts money from the card now if you yeah. use the oyster card that same four pound trip from oxford circus to warren street would actually only cost you one pound fifty so it's a big saving by doing that um, and you can buy thing, these oyster cards sorry sorry to cut, yeah cut sorry no, to, no, sorry, i'm mate. just going to ask you where, where you actually buy these cards Oh, pretty pretty much everywhere. Um, they have a, a symbol uh, that's associated with them, the Oyster Card symbol. And as you walk around, you'll find that uh, news agents, which is what they call milk bars over here, but uh, a news agent will just display the sign in London, say, buy your Oyster Card here, or you can buy it at big bus garages or at any tube station. You know, right. there's pretty much no limit to... Uh, to where you can get them, they're, they're freely available. Uh, one thing dying? that should uh, one thing that should be noted just before I go on with that is that children yeah. under sixteen in London travel on the tube for free. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, but uh, you were asking just real quickly there whether the Oyster card is for a day. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of cut across you. Sorry about that. Uh, but no, they're not. Um, you, it's like a, a prepay mobile phone, if you like. You charge up the credit and then you use it until you run out and then you can't use it no more. So it, uh, yeah, it can last. Uh, it can last for ages. Um, if as we're talking about the tube, I would say this. I would strongly advise people unless they're really quite into testing this out but I would strongly advise people to avoid travelling on the tube between peak hours which are 7 to 9.30am and 4.30 to 6pm I mean I don't know if the audience would have seen those pictures on the TV uh, in Japan especially where people get pushed into the trains by the, the station attendants um, right. That's what it's like in peak hours on the tube, and especially if you come over here in the UK summer, uh, you'll find that it gets very hot, very sweaty, very smelly, and that's not a nice thing to do. So travel outside of those times, and uh, you know it's actually really quite a pleasant experience. In the rush hour, absolute nightmare. Well, thanks, Michael, for the uh, wise words about travelling on the tube. Um, I guess the next question would be then, uh, if you didn't want to go on the tube and you wanted to hire a car, what, what, what's it like to drive in the UK? Is it, uh, again, expensive and are there any hidden traps and things like that? Oh, well, I mean, there's a few things to look out for, but on, on the whole, driving in the UK is exactly the same as driving in Australia. Okay, we still drive on the left-hand side of the road and we still use right-hand drive cars. One, one thing to note is that uh, cars here are generally manual transmission, whereas over in Australia, everything's you know pretty much always automatic transmission. Uh, so if you're hiring a car over here and you can't drive stick shift, you have to make sure you tell them, because otherwise you will end up with a manual transmission car. So my okay. tip there for driving in the UK. Um, uh, when it comes to actually driving, you have to be at least 17 uh, to drive in the UK. But if you're looking to rent a car, then you'll be looking to be at least 21, or in some cases 25, uh, to be able to do that. The, the most uh, obvious difference to people from Australia that are driving in the UK is that distances in the UK are in the imperial system, and not in metric. So when you go along and you see road signs and stuff, and it will say... 17m to such and such or just 17 that's 17 miles it's not 17 kilometers or anything else and all signage on the side of the roads is in yards or miles or feet so you know it's a pretty easy one to to work out um speeds are much the same as they are in uh in australia you know it's 30 miles an hour for the most part in towns 60 miles an hour on single carriageway roads and 70 miles per hour on uh, dual carriageway or motorways which are freeways um where there are no traffic lights and things like that um one interesting thing about the speed issue um you'll find that if you get out of towns and you're actually driving through the counties you'll find if you're not on the motorway or the freeway you'll find yourself on back roads and they are super fast back roads i mean literally these things are the width of a car or maybe a car and a half wide and you can travel down at 60 mile an hour which is a hundred and uh, yeah, 102 kilometers per hour i think so pretty fast and this is two-way traffic so if you're going along the back roads there, be really careful because 
they're generally very very narrow and they're all almost always two-way traffic and they're always fast so especially at night be really careful if you're not driving on the on the main roads um with regards to everything else it's all pretty straightforward really my advice would be to get a copy of what's called the highway code uh, which are the, the rules of the road for pedestrians car drivers and uh, cyclists they're available from all good bookshops they're available from the government directly and pretty much every decent sized news agent or milk bar will be able to sell you right. a copy of the highway code it costs about four pounds so about ten dollars and that'll be you know that that'll be the way to go so you can familiarize yourself with all the signs but to be oh, perfectly can... honest they're fairly simple uh, are they available online can do we know uh, you can get the highway code online the the best place to get all kind of um driving and driver related information about the uk is what's called the dvla the driver and vehicle licensing authority which right. is a government department and you can get that at www.dvla.gov.uk they're the place to go to you can probably buy it online there as well if you wanted to well thanks for the heads up on driving in the uk mike now I'm very jealous that you're over there at the moment because there's probably a few places that I'd like to go and visit. I know I've got my sort of wish list here going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and you've probably got the same. Um, I was wondering I if do. you could just share a few of your tips with us um, and the listeners. Oh, well, absolutely, Rich, absolutely. There are a couple of absolute must-sees in the UK to every single traveller. I mean, even as someone like myself who grew up uh, in in the in London and I, I lived here for 25 years um, but I would thoroughly recommend to absolutely everyone going on the London Eye it's the big Catherine wheel thing on the Thames you've probably seen it on the news um, yeah big sort of thing just goes round and round in a circle and you you get some spectacular views all over london and uh, most of the home counties actually you can see for miles and miles and miles and it has commentary that goes on and all this sort of stuff very reasonably priced so that is actually my number one attraction for the entire uk is the london oh really yeah i've been on it a few times uh, as i say even Having lived here all those years before I moved away, I've still been on this thing probably three or four times, and every time it fascinates me. Uh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, now, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, just just to ask you a question: the, the queues are they are they pro- prohibitive, or do you have? To, uh, is it easy not, easy to get on? Not really. Uh, I mean, the thing moves constantly. Um, you know, it, from from when it starts in the morning to when it stops at night, it's it's constantly moving. So you, when you get on, you actually get onto a moving platform. And what you do, you've noticed on the pictures that you've seen that uh, there's probably sort of 40 pods or something that hang off of this this big yeah. wheel as it goes around. So as the wheel comes around, they sort of herd on 40 people or however many it takes, and it continues on its on its merry way. And, you know, that's the way it goes. So it keeps moving. So even though the queues are actually really quite long, especially on really good days, and beware, you do have to book it in advance. You can't oh, really just... Yeah, you can't really just turn up, especially in the middle of summer, 
because you just won't get on for hours and hours and hours. But although the, the queues are pretty long, because they're, they're shoveling so many people into these pods on such a regular basis, I mean, a pod comes around sort of every 30 seconds or something, the queue actually does move real quick. But uh, So I would definitely recommend that. Um, going up to Scotland, which is um, one of my favourite places in the entire world, I would say that uh, you have got to get yourself to Edinburgh. You've got to go and see Edinburgh Castle and uh, Prince's Street that runs uh, actually in, in a straight line astern from the castle. You can see Prince's Street. You've got to go and see that. It's probably uh, the castle, especially, is uh, one of the best places in the world. Actually, a friend of mine he got engaged um, at uh, Edinburgh Castle, so that's the sort of thing uh, that it's like. There's spectacular views there as well. Excellent. But um, also in London, I was like bouncing backwards, forwards, up and down the country, but this is just pretty much <laughs> as they come to me. Um, a few more things that people really ought to do. Uh, go to visit the Tower of London. It's where the crown jewels are kept, and you'll see the Yeomen of the Guard, the Beef Eaters as they're called, um, standing outside. That's a great place to visit. Been there a few times, so definitely go to the Tower of London. Uh, you can also go to Buckingham Palace. Um, most people have seen Buckingham Palace from the outside. Uh, you can actually pay to go in it as well. I think it's quite expensive. I wouldn't probably go inside it, but I would certainly go and see it. And of course, we've got the changing of the guard there. And the changing of the guard happens, uh, yeah, very regularly, and they um, parade up and down. Uh, Horse Guards Parade, which is uh, not far from Buckingham Palace, along the mail there. Um, there's lots of stuff. In the Buckingham Palace area, there's loads of stuff to see. That's where, close to where the Houses of Parliament are. It's all government stuff around there, but uh, very good, especially for architecture. Um, now, is it true... I, sorry, 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 Mike, to cut across. Is it true that when she's in residence, there's that the flag is flying, and when she's not, there's no flag? Is that That's correct? absolutely right, yes. There is a royal standard, uh, and it's visible from far far away um, on a huge flagpole um, on the main residence of Buckingham Palace which is the first bit as you come down the Mall, which is a nice bright red uh, paved road Buckingham Palace yeah. is in front of you and you can see this big old flag stick on the top and if the flag is on there then uh, yeah the Queen is in Buckingham Palace at that time she probably won't come out and say hello to you uh, but she she is there <laughs> why not <laughs> Well, she can't meet and greet every visitor to the country personally, I'm afraid. But, uh, <laughs> well, not even if you book ahead. Uh, well, <laughs> you could ring and find out, but I don't think it's likely. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> oh dear, we're getting sidetracked now, you can tell. Um, Buckingham Palace is actually really close to uh, the River Thames, which um, is the big river that runs all the way through uh, the middle of London. And a really good thing to do is actually get on a riverboat that goes all the way along uh, the River Thames. They go from Greenwich in one end, which is where uh, the observatory is, which is where GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, comes from. So you can actually go and stand on the Prime Meridian up there. Um, so you can get on the boat at Greenwich, and you can go all the way through the Thames, through London, through all of the bridges, Tower Bridge, London Bridge, Blackfriars Bridge, all of this stuff. There's loads of stuff to see each side with uh, really good commentary, and you can go all the way down to Hampton Court, which is where Henry VIII lived uh, with at least some of the wives that he managed to get for himself. So that's a really good thing to do. And uh, Hampton Court is, also has a, a maze if you're looking to get lost. So that's cool as well. 
And can uh, you get off and, ha- and and have a walk around Hampton Court and then get back on the boat? Or, or is... Oh, absolutely. You can actually yeah. get on and off the boats um, at, uh, I think there's about half a dozen or so stops along the route because um, they actually use uh, the River Thames as uh, as a, um, a commuter gateway as well. Many people actually travel to work by boat because right. there are these like wharfs all the way along. And, of course, you've got no traffic lights on the River Thames, so people actually get on and off at these wharfs. And it's actually covered by your Oyster card, I think, in certain instances, um, because it's a, it's a recognised means of uh, public transportation. So, uh, yeah, you can get on and off to your heart's content. Uh, if, As you say, Buck, uh, Hampton Court, you can get off, you can walk around the maze, you can go and visit. It's a big old castle thing, basically. Um, really good to have a look at. I remember going there on a school trip when I was a wee nipper. Many moons ago, no doubt. Many moons ago, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the, for those people that are uh, looking to shop, you've obviously got Oxford Street, Regent Street, uh, Bond Street are the three main streets in London where you'll get uh, you'll get shopping from. And of course, there is the world famous Harrods in London as well. Um, beware, though; these places are certainly not cheap. Okay, they're very busy, very crowded. Probably, I mean, those of the audience that are familiar with Sydney and familiar specifically with Pitt Street, if you imagine Pitt Street on its busiest possible day and multiply it by a factor of five, that's what Oxford Street is like pretty much all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, busy places. and are there cars going up and down Oxford Street, or is that is that sort of there are off? not uh, not private cars? You get buses and taxis and things that uh, that are allowed up there, uh, but no no private cars through most of Oxford Street. You can up and down Regent Street and Bond Street and outside Harrods, but Oxford Street specifically is uh, is is banned from most traffic. Well, thanks for those wise words on London, Mike. Uh, now I just want to uh, turn our attention to kids. Uh, if Aussies are going over there with their children with them. Um, any any recommendations on that front? Oh well, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. There there are loads of things in the UK uh, to do with kids. Now we've got the tourism boards coming on in upcoming weeks, and they're going to be able to tell in more detail about their specific area. But rather depends on how old the kids are. I'm, I'm thinking probably um, you know eight to fifteen. That sort of age range you've got some great things for the for the younger kids you've got um Chessington World of Adventures which is uh, like a theme park uh, with also a zoo attached there's lots of zoos around there's one in London which is called uh, Regent's Park Zoo or London Zoo and uh, but even if you go out and about there are zoos everywhere um down on the south coast for the younger ones you've got uh mo- not model railways but miniature railways like kind of like the Puffin Billy in Melbourne, but uh, much, much smaller. So they run along the south coast. And, uh, you know, there's loads of stuff like that dotted around. You've really got to get the guidebooks out to find them. But uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of things up and down the country. For the and older I like kids... That I- Sorry, mate. So, I was just going to say, I love that idea of free travel on the tube for kids under 16. I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, I mean, that that's really helped out. And it does actually apply to, to all kids under 16, which is why the adult fare without the Oyster card is a little bit more expensive. But, uh, you know, to to get your kids around London, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, that's up to the age of 16, I think. Um, full attractions for older kids, maybe 13 to, to 16, something like this. Um, you've got Alton Towers, which is basically the country's 
biggest theme park. It's up in the north of England. Um, it's probably a two and a half, three hour drive uh, at least uh, north of London. Uh, you can certainly spend an entire day there and come back very, very tired. Uh, it's a great place to be. Um, so that's a that's a lot of fun. Uh, for the older kids, uh, you know, those in their 20s that are not quite kids anymore, um, I would head off down to Kent and do uh, everything to do with cider and uh, yeah. beer down in Kent, which is good. And also in Cornwall and Devon, they make uh, cider and beer down there as well. So uh, older kids, that one there. Now, what about getting down to these places? Now, not not everyone can hire a car. Um, do we have or are there coach services and obviously trains? But uh, more importantly, yeah. do, do do we have coaches that that run down the, those those to those uh, yeah, areas of interest? You, you do, you do for the most part. I mean, what you'll find is. Um, there's an old phrase that uh, all roads lead to London. I think it was originally all roads lead to Rome, but in the UK, all roads lead to London. So you'll find that if you're going anywhere, you can get a coach to pretty much every direction out of London. Um, so they're, they're, And coach travel is really quite cheap, actually. What would normally cost you £20 or £25 on the train will generally only cost you about 8 to £10 on the coach. Um, it will take generally longer because there's more traffic on the roads and coaches make more stops and all of this sort of stuff. But there's a pretty good uh, coach network around and, uh, yeah, very good. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, you can get uh, trains. There's an extensive train network um, covers almost every single inch of the country. So you can get from anywhere to anywhere by train. Um, it's not particularly cheap, uh, but it is reliable and uh it is a pretty good service actually so uh, trains and uh, trains and coaches no problem whatsoever for those of people that don't want to drive or or can't drive now do you know you spoke about that oyster card with the tube is yeah. there something similar along the lines for train travel um not really not really um there is for the season traveler uh, where you can get like a, a pass for a month or three months or a year or whatever, which will entitle you to uh, to discounts. Uh, what I would say though is student discounts are available um, to most people, so to, to most students anyway. So if you are a, a student in a, a registered university, bring your student card along and just show it everywhere. You'll be surprised how much of a discount you get. Uh, but for everyone else, no, there's not really. Um, those sort of cards for the trains that spring to mind you can always ask I mean the uh, ticket attendants are really very knowledgeable and there's also some pretty good automated um, ticket machines which will be able to tell you the best price if you put in the criteria but just ask and they'll always give you the best price okay that's 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 good that's good well I think that's a that's a very good uh insight to the uk and thank you very much mike i appreciate that's that. that's quite all right mate okay mike that's brilliant it's been lovely talking to you and thank you so much for your time it's uh 25 past 10 saturday night your end and we appreciate it is you. yes yes i've <laughs> got to uh, t tear myself away from the phone at the moment and uh, go back to enjoying myself i think <laughs> <laughs> excellent um now coming up next week i think you uh have something in line for us Yes, absolutely. We have arranged uh, next week to talk to the Tourism Board for the southeast of the UK, uh, which covers 
uh, obviously the South East, which is uh, Kent and Surrey, Sussex, Middlesex, uh, all of that stuff. The South Eastern home counties, quite a large area, one of the, the most populous areas of the UK and pretty much where everybody arrives when they get to the country. Um, so she, they're going to have uh, lots and lots to talk about. That's going to be really quite exciting stuff. Yeah, and I'm going to be looking forward to actually having a chat with those guys myself. So thank you. Now, um, also, if um, if any of our listeners want to email you uh, any any questions that they might have, um, would that be okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can answer some questions about the UK. I mean, because that's what I have uh, fairly decent knowledge of. The rest of the world, I'm a, not quite so good. So if you've got some, some questions on the UK for me, then just send it to traveller, T-R-A-V-E-L-L-E-R, at osleisure.com.au and I'll do my best to uh, to answer them for you. That's brilliant, thanks, Mike. All right, well, uh, we'll 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 let you go and we'll say good night and we'll uh, talk to you again very soon. So yeah, um, thanks, Rich. So uh, thanks for that, Mike. Well, take care and we'll see you soon. I'm Richard McGuire in Melbourne, and I'm Mike Sussex in the UK, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye bye. <laughs>